Well, we're going to read from the Bible together now, and we're turning to Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 15. You'll find our reading on page 874 of the Pew Bibles, page 874. And this morning we're reading two parables, the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin. And we're going to be thinking about both of those parables later in our service. So Luke 15, it's page 874 of the Pew Bibles. Luke 15, and we're reading verses 1 to 10. And this is God's word to us. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me. For I have found the coin that I lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Amen. And we thank God for his word to us this morning. Well, let's take our Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 15. You'll find that passage on page 874 of the Pew Bibles. And as you're turning to that passage, let's pray for a moment together. Father, we thank you that you are a seeking God, that you are a saving God, and that those of us who know you have been sought and rescued by your gracious intervention and hand. We pray that you would speak to us all this morning, that you'd challenge those of us who don't know the Lord Jesus, and that you'd help us understand who we are in Christ if we've trusted in you. Help us to see that it's not because of anything that we have done. It's because you're the God who has reached down to save us. Father, we pray that you'd speak to us through your word, by your spirit, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning we're starting a a new short series that will bridge the gap between now and the summer holidays. Uh, We're going to be looking at some parables of Jesus over the next few Sundays, both morning and evening. I'm calling this series Summer Stories. Uh, We did a a similar series in my first summer here. We're looking at different parables this time around, though, compared to the last time. Uh, Calling it Summer Stories because summer is a time when we tend to read a little bit more. Uh, Whether it's in the comfort of our sunroom or conservatory, whether it's in a caravan listening to the rain batter the roof, or whether it's in a sunbed in a foreign country, summer is a time when we tend to read a little bit more. Uh, What we're going to do over the next few weeks is read some stories that Jesus told and try and understand them and also try and understand what he's teaching through them. In both our services today uh, and uh, our morning service next week, we're going to be looking at Luke 15. 
Uh, There are parables in this chapter and they're all connected by one big point or theme and it's this. God loves to find and save lost sinners. That was the point for the boys and girls. God loves to find and save lost sinners. And that's the point in Luke 15. Luke 15 is a a really marvellous chapter. Uh, There's possibly no greater chapter in all of scripture because in just 32 verses, Jesus takes us to the heart of God for sinners. God loves to find and save lost sinners. One of the biggest mistakes you can make is that you can misunderstand who God is. So, So many people think that God is an angry, grumpy granddad in the sky. So many people think that God is some kind of divine butler who gives us what we want when we click our fingers. God is neither a grumpy granddad or a divine butler. He's a generous, gracious, merciful God. He can't tolerate sin. Sin can't come into his presence. But he loves to find and save lost sinners. That's what Luke 15 tells us. In this part of Luke's gospel, Jesus is speaking and teaching. And he illustrates God's love for sinners really, really vividly. He illustrates it by telling some stories about lost things. A lost sheep, a lost coin, and two lost boys. It's actually a brilliant illustration because it's an illustration that never grows old. When was the last time you lost something? Maybe you couldn't find your keys before you came to church this morning. We we, we lose things all the time, and we love finding things that we've misplaced. At Travel Lodge, the hotel company, recently compiled a list of weird and wonderful items that guests left behind at its 582 hotels in 2022. Listen to some of the things that people left behind, some of the things that people lost. Keys to a powerboat, a pilot's license, some cats and some puppies. Why you would want cats and puppies in a hotel room? Anyway, skeleton wearing a suit and a top hat. A Chinese wedding envelope containing the equivalent of £1,200, £1,200. A £15,000 personalised number plate that said John, belonged to John, £15,000, he left it behind. A replica of the imperial crown, so a replica of the crown King Charles III wore at his coronation. That was left at a travel lodge at King's Cross by a French jeweller who was dashing to catch the Eurostar. A 50-year-old Paddington bear. And then the final, and I think this is the weirdest thing, a life-size cutout of Jurgen Klopp. Now, why on earth you would want something like that? I just don't know. We, we, we lose things all the time, and we love finding things that are lost. But the things that we lose and the things that we find, ultimately, in light of eternity, have no real significance. And they come in direct comparison to the truth that God loves to find and save lost sinners, lost souls, lost human beings, lost people. This morning, we're gonna, this morning and this evening, we're going to be taken to the heart of God for sinners, how God searches and finds sinners, how God treats sinners, how God loves sinners. This morning, we're looking at two of the three parables found in Luke 15, the parables of the lost sheep and the lost coin. Tonight, we're dealing with the first half of the parable of the prodigal son, Before we look at the first two parables, it's really important to see the context of what Jesus says here. It comes in verses 1 and 2. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. The the shock factor of verses 1 and 2 is lost on us as readers of this story 2,000 years after it happened. 
But Jesus is speaking to the worst and most despised people of his day, tax collectors and sinners. He's talking to the worst of the worst. In chapter 14, Jesus has explained the difficulties involved in being one of his disciples, despite his clear and demanding call, an unlikely and unsavory audience has gathered to listen to him. Jesus is accessible to people we don't expect him to be accessible to. The religious elites of his day certainly didn't expect him to be accessible to this group of people. The Pharisees and scribes did not associate with tax collectors and sinners. In fact, it was the very opposite. The Pharisees actually had a saying that went like this. There is joy before God when those who provoke him perish from the world. There is joy before God when those who provoke him perish from the world. It's not exactly the most positive outlook on synagogue life. God is happy when people reject him and perish and die. Tax collectors and sinners were considered as people who provoked God and therefore they were outcasts from national and religious life in Israel. Now, normally, religious people wouldn't associate with sinners and, and wouldn't even teach them the law. Socializing, being in the presence of people like this, implied guilt by association. It, it implied condoning their sinfulness. And so the Pharisees and the scribes grumble at what Jesus is doing. In light of their grumbling and, and, the listening, and, lis, and these listening outcasts are giving him, Jesus tells three parables. Remember, we're looking at the first two this, this morning and the third this evening. Well, what, what does Jesus say as he speaks to this diverse group? Well, he tells two parables containing two simple theological truths, which in turn have two simple applications. But that's our, our structure this morning. In Luke 15, 1 to 10, we have two simple parables, two simple theological truths, and two simple applications. Let's try and understand the two simple parables first of all. This part is important because if we don't understand the parables, then we'll not understand the theological truths and the application. First parable comes in verses 4 to 6. Jesus says, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. In this first parable, Jesus describes a difficult dilemma that some of his listeners have actually faced. Imagine that you have 100 sheep and that you lose one. That has maybe happened to some of you here this morning. One or two or three sheep have been lost. What would you do if you were in that situation? Jesus doesn't tell us how the sheep were lost, but presumably it either wandered away from the flock by itself or it was carried off by a predator. Whatever the cause on the face of it, the mass works against the missing sheep. To, to, to go looking for it would have been dangerous, especially if it had gone into the wilderness. In the cold light of day, it doesn't seem very sensible to leave 99 sheep in the open country so that you can go and look for and, in the unlikely event, find that one missing sheep. Is one sheep really valuable enough for you to at least give up your time and energy for, or at worst, risk your life for a lost sheep? The slight surprise in the parable is that Jesus says, yes, it is. Je Jesus says, doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? So by asking that question, Jesus assumes that his hearers will agree 
with what he says he'll do. So the first parable is simple. A shepherd has lost 100 sheep. One goes missing. He leaves 99 sheep to go and look for the, for the one missing sheep. And that's a sensible thing to do. Well, what about the second parable? Well, it comes in verses 8 and 9. Or what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Now, what we miss as we read this parable is that houses in Israel were dark. Light only came in through one circular window that was about 18 inches in diameter. So it wasn't a very big window at all. The floor in your average house in Israel would have been made up of earth covered with rushes and reeds. So it would have been dirty and dusty. If you lost something on the ground, it would have been hard to find, especially if, if, if it was something small like a coin. Jesus says this lady has 10 coins and she loses one. Her loss is greater than the loss of the shepherd. Losing one coin out of 10 would have been worse than losing one sheep out of 100. The coin would have been a drachma, which was a day's wages for your average worker. In other words, it was quite a lot of money. So faced with this potentially life-changing loss, what does the lady do? Jesus tells us that because it's dark, she lights a lamp, and because the floor is dirty and dusty, she sweeps the house and she seeks diligently. Her search is thorough. Every lady here today can understand this, I think. Every man can understand this as well. Why is it that when men look for stuff, it's not there, but when ladies look for it, it is there? That happened in your house, happens in our house all the time. So we're about to leave the house. Where's the dummy? Micah needs his dummy. I go and look for it, nowhere to be seen. Lynn goes in after me, finds it in half the time and with half the effort. It was there all along. How did you miss it? I don't know. I looked there as well. Well, you mustn't have looked properly. Well, what, is, what is looking properly? It's sweeping, it's moving, it's turning, it's shifting, it's seeking diligently. So another simple parable. A lady loses a coin, one of 10 coins. It's a big loss, so she turns her house upside down. She seeks diligently to find it. So Jesus tells two simple parables, and in doing so, he communicates two simple theological truths. The stories are simple, their meaning is simple as well. Here's the first truth that Jesus is communicating with the tax collectors and the sinners, the Pharisees, and you and I. Lost sheep and coins don't find themselves, neither do lost sinners. Let me say that again. Lost sheep and coins don't find themselves, neither do lost sinners. The parables become so powerful when you take this truth on board. If, if a sheep gets lost, it's going to have difficulty getting back to its owner. If a sheep gets separated from its flock, it can't fight. Sheep have no claws, no teeth, no means of defense. It can't flee. Sheep are slow in terms of their reactions. And it can't find its way back. Sheep aren't like dogs that can smell their way home. In the same way, a coin cannot assist its recovery in any way. If you lose a coin, a coin can do nothing to be found. The task of finding a coin is completely up to the searcher. It's interesting to compare the emphasis given to the searching woman over the searching shepherd. Jesus emphasizes the search of the woman rather than the activity of the shepherd. The point is that lost sinners don't find themselves. A coin cannot find itself. A lost sinner 
cannot find their way back to God by changing their priorities, by moral reformation, by New New Year's resolutions, or by turning over a new leaf. Jesus is not the only person to teach this as well. It's part of the wider story of Scripture. Humanity at large is lost. We all, outside of Christ, have the spiritual capabilities of a coin or a corpse. In Ephesians 2, Paul says, You are dead in the trespasses and sins. Dead, not partly alive, not 99% dead, 1% alive, 100% dead. Well, what Jesus is doing here is that he's, he's trying to expose spiritual realities. He's saying, this is where you are if you're not trusting in me. You're lost. You're spiritually dead. And he's saying that to the tax collectors and sinners and to the Pharisees and scribes as well. Lost sheep and lost coins don't find themselves. Neither do lost sinners. What about the other theological truth? Through, through these two parables, Jesus also teaches everyone listening and reading, that the search for what is lost is thorough and comprehensive, and that's how God operates. The search for what is lost is thorough and comprehensive, and that's how God operates. The two parables are slightly different because the sheep is living, but the coin is an inanimate object. In the first parable, we might feel sorry for the sheep. In the second parable, we don't feel sorry for the coin. The attention, as we've already said in the second parable, is on the woman. She is thorough, she is relentless, she is comprehensive. When she finds her coin, it's not because of anything the coin has done. It's entirely due to her diligence and searching. And that's how God works. That's how God operates. If we are to be rescued, if we are to be found, it will be a result of his thorough and comprehensive searching. God is seeking and he relentlessly pursues sinners. Luke is doing something very helpful in this chapter. In the first two parables, we're giving an understanding of salvation from the perspective of heaven. While we've been ignoring him, God has been on the pursuit. He has brought circumstances and situations into our lives so that he might lead us to repentance. He has brought people into our lives who will influence us and speak to us, We have been placed in just the right place at just the right time to hear what we needed to hear. Like the woman in the parable, God lights a lamp and sweeps the house and searches carefully. He persists until he finds us. If you're a Christian this morning, it's because God went on the hunt. It's by his doing that you're in Christ Jesus. You didn't choose him, he chose you. You didn't love him, he loved you. You didn't decide to believe in him, he gave you faith. If you're not a Christian this morning, well, what is God doing in your life? Well, he's lighting lamps every now and again through circumstances. Somebody you love dies, ping. Another reminder that after death comes judgment and that you need to be right before God in the same way that your loved one was. You're given a difficult and life-changing diagnosis, ping. Another reminder that you can't rely on your own strength and that one day, your life will soon be passed. God is lighting lamps and he's searching you out, sweeping down the corridors of your life. His search for you, the the person who is lost, is thorough and comprehensive. Now, some of you might be thinking, okay, that, that messes with my hell a little bit. That's hard to understand. What does that look like in someone's life? Give me an example. 
Come back this evening and you'll get the example. Come back this evening and you'll hear the story of someone who experienced the light coming on and the floor being slept for a final and glorious time. The first two parables in Luke 15 give us an understanding of salvation from the perspective of heaven. It's an all-out search, thorough and comprehensive. In the third parable, Luke gives us an understanding of, of salvation in human experience. So two simple parables, a man loses a sheep, a lady loses a coin. Two simple theological truths, lost sheep and coins don't find themselves, neither do lost sinners. And the search for what is lost is thorough and comprehensive. That's how God operates. Two simple applications. We're almost finished. These applications won't take long. Here's the first, and it's for those of us who know and trust the Lord Jesus. God rejoices when sinners repent. Look at the conclusions of the two parables. Lost sheep, verse 7. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Lost coin, verse 10. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Heaven is neither unaware nor indifferent when a sinner repents. Heaven rejoices. Heaven celebrates. It was sports day up at the school a couple of weeks ago. It was the first one that we had been able to go to because of COVID. All the boys and girls got their turn at all the different races and all the parents got to cheer them on. There was joy as we watched all the boys and girls compete and run and jump and take part. And yet it can't be compared with the joy of heaven when someone who doesn't know Jesus, hasn't been following Jesus, has been living in open rebellion to Jesus, comes to repentance and faith for the first time. The rescue of just one soul starts celebrations in heaven. It's been a painful week to be a Manchester United fan. I can barely even talk about it, to be honest. Those of you who follow football will know what I'm referring to. The treble, can't really say anything more about it. It's that painful. But the scenes last night were, were quite something. If you saw them, they were quite something. But it doesn't compare with the scenes in heaven when a sinner repents. If that's God's response to repentance, our response should be to diligently and lovingly engage in befriending and reaching out to lost souls. We should be inviting someone who doesn't know Jesus to come to a farther shore on Friday night with the prayer in the hope that they might repent and believe. Remember, Jesus is responding to the Pharisees and scribes who are questioning why he is socializing with tax collectors and sinners. His answer, that God searches and uh, searches thoroughly and comprehensively, implies that we should do the same. Just as Jesus seeks sinners out, we should seek sinners out as well. God rejoices when sinners repent. Do, do the lost matter to you in the same way? And now for the second simple application. And it's for you if you're not a Christian. God wants anyone and everyone to come to him. God wants anyone and everyone to come to him. There are three parables in Luke 15. We've looked at two this morning. How can you know that God wants anyone and everyone to come to him? You can know it by seeing that Jesus engages with a variety of people as he tells these stories. So the lost sheep, how does it start? What man of you? So men are immediately engaged. The lost coin, how does it start? Or what woman? 
women immediately engaged. Third parable, parable of the prodigal son. How does it start? There was a man who had two sons. Families, young people, immediately engaged. Jesus goes down the line and he hits everyone in terms of engagement. Working men, women who never stop, young people who are wondering what they're going to do with their lives. And in doing so, in in going down the line of people's experience, Jesus shows us that anyone and everyone can come to him in repentance and faith. Through two simple parables, the lost sheep and the lost coin, Jesus teaches two simple theological truths. Lost sheep and coins don't find themselves, neither do lost sinners. The search for what is lost is thorough and comprehensive. That's how God operates. And those two theological truths have two simple applications. God rejoices when sinners repent, and God wants anyone and everyone to come to him. Jesus is really not who people expect him to be. God is really not who people expect him to be. He's not a grumpy granddad or a divine butler. He can't tolerate sin, but he loves to find and save lost sinners. In commenting on that weird and wonderful list of things that were left behind in travel lodges, the keys to a power boat, expensive items, life-size cutout of Jurgen Klopp, still don't get it, spokesperson said this, travel lodge spokesperson said this, when it comes to why so many of our customers forget their treasured items, it's basically due to us all being time poor, juggling multiple tasks, and being in a hurry to get from A to B. In the rush, valuable possessions are easily forgotten. It's not so with God. He values us. We're his creation. We're formed in his image. We've rebelled against him. And our rebellion means that we'll never, ever turn to him ourselves. Yet he seeks us. He moves silently down the corridors of our lives, turning lights on here, lights on there, sweeping away the spiritual cobwebs until we're finally brought to trust in him. Because we can do nothing else. His call on us is irresistible. Two simple parables. A man loses a sheep. A lady loses a coin. Two simple theological truths. Lost sheep and coins don't find themselves. Neither do lost sinners. The search for what is lost is thorough and comprehensive. That's how God operates. And two simple applications. God rejoices when sinners repent. And God wants anyone and everyone to come to him. Have you ever come to him? Have you ever repented? That there would be joy in heaven today if you did. That's the first summer story, or at least the first part of it. It's a pretty good story. God loves to find and save lost sinners. And that's good news, because all of us are sinners. If you're a Christian this morning, though, it's because God went on the hunt. If you're not a Christian this morning, what is God doing in your life? Well, he's lighting lamps every now and again. And here's another one today, Luke 15. God loves to find and save lost sinners. How are you going to respond? If you're thinking it through, if something has challenged you this morning, come back tonight or watch online if you can't, and you'll see how all of this works out in human experience. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that the parables and stories Jesus tells are so simple yet so profound. We thank you for stories about 
a lost sheep, a lost coin. And we realize that as lost sinners, we we will not seek you out by ourselves. But we thank you that you're a a searching, seeking God who, who sweeps through our lives, turns on lights for us, also that we might come to the point where we repent and believe. Father, for those of us who have repented and believed, for those of us who, who know and love you, help, help us to have thankfulness in our hearts because you went on the hunt for us. And we pray that you would continue to seek out and save those who don't know Jesus even today. Help us to, to, to think Luke 15 through, think about what we've thought about this afternoon, but also come back tonight to see the next part of the story. Father, we thank you for your words. We pray that you bless it to all of our hearts and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.